Good evening, everybody. It's Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Man Radio. Hope you're doing well this sweltering. I feel like I'm uh, trapped in a Tennessee Williams play out here. Lord, it's so hot. I'm going to faint and clutch at my pearls. And uh, hope you're having a wonderful time. Hope it's not quite the heat wave. Here in Canada, um, you complain that it's too cold or it's too hot. You know, for a nation of such extreme temperature, it seems to have produced quite a lot of moderates in the political sphere. And for those of you who are complaining that um, I'm not talking enough about Canadian politics, I understand it. I get it. I really do. But uh, until Canada coughs up a Donald Trump, um, I just, I'm telling you, it's hard, it's hard to stay motivated. Because we have this, um, you know, fairly realistic sim- simulacrum of a human being up here named Stephen. Oh, oh, sorry. Wake up. Stephen Harper. And we have this dewy-eyed socialist breed, uh, Justin Trudeau. And we have a bunch of Albertans out there who ran out of oil money and now have elected a socialist. Because, you see, you've always got to be subsidized by something. And if it isn't oil prices, it's got to be socialism and the unborn credit scores of the future. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> there's just not enough radical... There aren't enough radical proposals going on in uh, Canada and the conservatives aren't really conservative, and the liberals aren't really that liberal, uh, and uh, it's all, and and the population is generally generally complacent. We just we don't have the K-styled panic that is going on in the United States. I'm not saying we don't need it. I'm just saying we don't have it as yet. And when we do, and people begin to freak out about the mathematical unsustainability of the existing model, well, uh, and one last thing. Oh, just. Uh, well, let me just ask you, Steph, real quick before you get to your last thing. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. I'm walking downstairs, so don't ask me about Canadian politics. <laughs> 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 Crash bang. Right, okay. Well, see, well, they haven't coughed up a Donald Trump yet, but would you settle for a Canadian political bowel movement? That's, that's the important question I have. <laughs> I would actually uh, I would settle for, uh, I would actually be interested in a Canadian politician who did Inuit throat singing as his speeches. And if you don't know what that is, look it up and uh, allow yourself to bask in the qualities of different cultures. Uh, Inuit throat singing uh, is something that, I think it's Inuit or native. When I was in theater school, the first week, which I thought was going to be really cool, the first week we did, uh, we could sort of come up with our own little shows. And um, yeah, one of them was like this weird thing where guys in a bar were ignoring Inuit throat singing right behind them. Uh, and that was my first exposure to it. And uh, it really is, uh, I mean, let's put it this way, it makes Chinese opera sound like Bohemian Rhapsody. So uh, make of that what you will. But uh Oh, what was the other thing? Damn it, Mike, I had something I wanted to get off my chest. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's interesting to me how, you know, because we, we put out a video about uh, Bernie Saunders. Uh, Saunders, And um, it seems to have elicited some, I don't know, have we had more downvotes? Uh, maybe when we talk about not, Hitler. <laughs> yeah, okay, so we, we brought the Nazis out. <laughs> and uh, I think any video that either doesn't talk about A, Hitler, or B, any shred of female responsibility for the state of the world. Uh, that is, we've really got the most downvotes. And um, I guess I'm feeling the burn. But I just, and people are like, oh, suck it, Molyneux. It's like, uh, no, A, unless it's a popsicle because it's 9 million degrees here. And B, I love it. It's great. I mean, how wonderful to, to, for people to be exposed to ideas that they virulently dislike. I mean... <laughs> I have to suffer through that every time I read the mainstream media, and that's part of my job, so I think it's wonderful that people are having exposure to stuff. But the one thing I will say is everyone's like, hey, man, 
why can't we just have what Scandinavia has and the Scandinavian countries have and Germany has and this and that and the other? It's like, well, everybody picks the most socialist policies of these European countries and then assumes that if we implement those, if people implement those same socialist policies, policies in the U.S., you get exactly the same thing. But there's a lot of heavy free market stuff that goes on in Europe, and nobody ever says, well, that's what's making them so successful. It's always like the most socialist policy you can conceivably imagine, like uh, Denmark is doing very well, and they offer free education. So if we have free education, we'll do really well as well. And uh, nobody ever says, well, I think in Denmark it is where you, you get a school voucher and you can choose your own school. Nobody ever says, well, well then school vouchers are the characteristics of the Denmark system. So if we have school vouchers and let people choose, like nobody ever does that on the left. They simply look at a, a country that's remotely successful in any way, shape or form. And then they say the most socialist policies that that country has is the ones we should adopt to be as successful as they are. And uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, the, the thing... <laughs> Here's the analogy, you know. Well, Steph seems like a pretty happy guy. So if I recover from cancer, I'll be really happy. <laughs> Pass me some stogies. I mean, it's just not not the way uh, not the way a rational thinker works. You look at critically, like so, for instance, Sweden has a lower um, uh, uh, corporate tax rate than America does. Do people say, well, Sweden has a lower corporate tax rate, so as a socialist, I must support a lower corporate tax rate. And it's like, no, you just look at the... I mean, Sweden is doing well despite its socialist policies, not because of. And if you adopt those socialist policies, you're taking everything which prevents Sweden from growing even further and faster. Not to mention cultural homogeneity, right? I mean, a lot of these, uh, Denmark, Sweden, and uh, like a lot of these countries, uh, up until very recently... I mean, you, you couldn't, you know, ride down on a bicycle without seeing 10 billion blonde and blue-eyed people staring at you uh, if you had even, even slightly a tan or, you know, less than 3 billion freckles. And uh, so cultural, people don't say, well, you see, cultural homogeneity is what makes those Scandinavian countries so successful, so we should have culture. Like, nobody says that. <laughs> so I just want to point out, I don't have a final proof for all of this, but that's seriously cherry-picking. Which is to say, there's some policy I want enacted in America. Some country that's doing quite well has enacted said policy, and therefore we need to enact said policy here. Uh, that is just completely uh, ridiculous. You may have heard uh, this in the YouTube comments from time to time, Steph, but shockingly, correlation is not causation. I know. This is a surprise. No. What? <laughs> yeah. Shocking. I remember that sitcom growing up, Correlation Street. I think, oh, Okay, there's a couple of groans from the British audience. Nobody knows what the hell else I was talking about. And it's not a sitcom. Nothing in England is a sitcom because it's raining all the time. <laughs> so, All right, enough of that. Let's get to the callers. Oh, freedomainradio.com slash donate. Please, please, please to help out the show. Uh, it, is, uh, it is very important. You know, we are getting a lot of philosophy uh, in, into people. Um, and uh, we're only doing it because of your help and your support. We have bills to pay. I know you have bills to pay to do. I know you have bills to pay as well. But trust me, the bills we have to pay for philosophy are a lot higher than the bills you have to pay for philosophy. So if you could help us out, it's a collective effort at freedomainradio.com slash donate. So thanks so much for your support. And thanks to those, of course, who uh, enjoyed Mike Stoyan and I chatting about uh, Donald Trump. I mean, I appreciate people uh, enjoying that format, and uh, it certainly is nice to have conversations uh, in. And I hope people like hearing, like people who really like and respect each other, 
chatting about things that they may agree or disagree with in a sort of convivial and positive way. Uh, I really have always enjoyed those chats. So I'm glad that you guys are as well. And this way, of course, because we're <laughs> an opinion piece. I'm too lazy to research this. So uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, that's what The previous out. two are two of the most popular shows we've done in the last couple months as far as views and downloads in total. So if people still like it, let us know and we'll keep doing more of them. Hang on, Mike. I think I, I hear a distant chant from the listeners. Less staff. Less <laughs> staff. Less staff. See, that's why I booked Peter Schiff, because you don't even get a word in edgewise when Peter's on. So, <laughs> Peter, if you could inhale for a moment, you're like Dizzy Gillespie with the infinite trumpet blast. It's like, do you, do you actually bring air in through osmosis or something like that? I mean, I love Peter, but, you know, it's great to find somebody who can give me a chat for the money. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. All right. Let's move on with the callers. Who's on first? All right. Well, up first is Evan, and you're talking about sitcoms, and Evan's got a question that makes us want to hate Netflix, potentially. So he what? Asks, hold on, hold on. Don't me. take away my crack. <laughs> he says, Don't make me read a book. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we contribute or are complicit in violence or the initiation of force when we consume media with violent content, i.e. watching an episode of Netflix's Daredevil, a show that is in of itself incredibly violent? I don't know if you've seen that one yet, Steph. I've, I've seen Daredevil. I quite liked it, actually. Is it incredibly violent? <sighs> kind of uh, cartoony violent, not like Walking Dead, you know, watching zombies' head explode violent, but uh, more It's not of- like, uh, like Grey's Anatomy is very expl- violent in terms of, but it's incredibly explicit in that the injuries there just make you go, <gasps> I can't. I can't look at that stuff. If someone's, like, injecting a needle or cutting something, oh, man, it just, <laughs> so... That old David Spain joke, uh, I can't masturbate to the surgery channel, (laughs) or can I? (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. I have an interesting question. Hi. Um, I under, yeah, I mean, when I say Daredevil is violent, it's violent like in, like in comparison with other shows like it, like Flash or Arrow on the CW. They, they, yeah, they have violent actions, but they don't, you don't see, uh, Oliver Queen bloodied up where you will see Matt Murdock receive like various bruises, deep cuts and gashes. It's, um, it actually, like, I, like, here's an example. I would let, a t- if I had a 10-year-old son, I would let him watch Arrow. If I had a 10-year-old son, I would not let him watch Daredevil. Um, uh, Arrow? Arrow. A-R-R-O-W, is that right? Yes, it's based on the Green Arrow, the Green Arrow comics that are published by DC. Did, did somebody who's green don't complain? Steph, don't. What? Don't. what? I don't, don't know. I don't. I'm nauseous, and I find this offensive. <laughs> what what about think, the green people? What I think happened was they wanted to get away from some of the more comic booky elements of the show in the first season. Then they started to introduce that when CW greenlit a Flash show, and they realized more pe- their audience was responding to making it more like the green what's published in the Green Arrow comics. And I think right. now they're trying to move towards that, but I think they're still stuck with the name Arrow. Although uh, at the end of the third season, we will find that Oliver Queen will no longer call himself the Arrow. So now we have a situation where the title doesn't make any sense now. He just spoiled now for everyone that was left. <laughs> now he's moved up. I am the crossbow. Soon I will be the javelin. After that, <laughs> the pistol. <laughs> right, okay. Oh dear. Now, guys. hang on just a sec. I'd like to back up because um, Mike seemed to have a. He found my joke <laughs> arrowing. Now, Mike seemed to have quite a visceral response to me starting to make jokes about comic book characters. Mike, is there anything you'd like to share that you need to get off I'm just, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big comic guy, but I'm just imagining all the people that are really big into comic books, which, you know, there's quite a few in our audience, I imagine, just like cringing <laughs> as the Green Arrow jokes come, come a-flowing, but it's okay, Steph. 
<laughs> yeah. Come on, Mike. Is there anything more fun than endless, pointless edits to the show? Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad there's nobody in the studio to slap me. Uh, it's so great uh, when I can do this. Truth be told, you could re- you could have supplanted Netflix Daredevil with pretty much any other show that has violence in, in my question, like um, Breaking Bad, Homeland, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, I think the principle still stands. The reason I asked this question was I was watching – there were two videos. One was by a woman named Bell Hooks. I don't know if you ever heard of her. Um, Bell Hooks? Yes. Um, Bell Hooks? Wait, this isn't like a villain in, in Arrow or something. She's very pretty, but she's got hooks. Oh, she doesn't okay. even have that going for uh, Bell, In my personal opinion, she doesn't even have that going for her. Um, she's most known, I mean, she's cited by Anita Sarkeesian as one of her influences, and I kind of like did some digging around, and I found this video, and she described her, her, watch, her watching the pilot episode of the show Empire. And it's the show with uh, Terrence Howard about uh, the, the, the African-American family who creates like this huge music empire, and there's a flashback to Terrence Howard interacting with his son, who we later find out the show is gay, and the son is dressed up in like women's clothing, and he throws the kid in a trash can. And Bell Hooks says, I had such a visual reaction to that, but I'm also disturbed about the people who seem to like it, and they don't seem to re- realize that they're complicit in violence and homophobia. And I think to myself, okay, complicit. if you just don't, I, hey, that's hey. her words, not mine. And and then there was another uh, video. There's the PBS oh, idea. No, no, show. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't, don't, don't pile me on with examples because then we lose them all. There's no point doing these. I'm not these saying I agree with her. By the way, I'm not saying I agree. No, with no, no. Her. I get that. I get that. Well, first of all, no white person is allowed to talk about homophobia in the black community. That's <laughs> so important. You cannot talk about how in California the black community violently or viciously or largely resisted Prop 13 and legalization of gay marriage. I think it was. She is herself African American. Okay, still. Yeah. So, so you, she can talk about it, but you and I can't, um, oh, and, I, unless I'll, we pretend like unless we put on heavy rap accents, which himself would be offensive to green people. So, um, <laughs> so uh, that's just something you you never hear uh, anything about that in the mainstream yeah. media because you see, blacks are victims uh, always and forever, and therefore, like in the mainstream media, I don't think <laughs> in real life, but uh, and therefore, so that's interesting that she's talking about homophobia in the black community, which is. Huge. Like we're just doing this. This is obviously a different black community. I'm trying to say they're all the same. But uh, in South Africa, there are conversion rapes to attempt to deprogram lesbians into being non-lesbians, right, to make them straight. And so it's really quite horrendous. And some of the African countries have passed laws against uh, like significant, punishable, even yay, verily bombs proposed under death laws against homosexuality. But uh, I don't know. It's always white males at fault. But (laughs) So yeah. that's sort of one aspect. The second is, I assume that this was not presented in a massively sympathetic way. I, I, I don't watch Empire, so I'm going to assume not. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, throwing someone into a trash can is hard to portray that in a positive way, unless it's like some arch-villain uh, with yeah. hooks for hands or something. So, uh, <laughs> so the fact that, vi- like, I've seen, I've seen uh, like commercials or public service announcements about battered women. And they show a woman with a bruise and a menacing guy shadow. And no, like, so that's a, my God, they're complicit in the violence against women it's like, because they're showing it. That doesn't mean that you're complicit in it. Yeah, I know. It's nonsensical. And then what other people on sort of her uh, leftist social critic bent will also say is like Mike Rudikin made this point in his video about a video about how to create responsible social criticism is like if like if we sh- the example he showed was an episode of The Sopranos where Tony Soprano beats up a man who owes him money. And he's like. We're not critiquing that happening. We're 
reproducing it and therefore we normalize it. And I think to myself, well, I'm pretty sure James Gandolfini is not a moonlighting mobster. And at the same time, by that same standard, if I would, if we, um, in the Battle of Hoth scene in Empire Strikes Back, do we then normalize people fighting with laser guns and giant mechanical camels? That's the, so it's like, doesn't make it. I don't understand what their point is, and I'm wondering if you think that they have any, if there's any kind of connection between uh, violence in the in the in the fictional world and vi- bleeding over and possibly causing violence in our in the human in the reality world. Well, I think that it's a very tough case to make statistically, because I mean, for the obvious reason that violence is declining as consumption of violent media is increasing, and uh, you know the the great unspoken reality. It's turned a little bit around in America, um, which, which for reasons we've talked about um, relatively recently, but the great uh, unspoken uh, truth in America is that violent crime in general as a whole using very uh, widespread statistics has gone down a yeah, quarter to a third or whatever over the past couple of decades. Yeah. So I don't think that people are consuming less violent media than they used to. I mean, if you compare uh, the television shows that are available to kids and teenagers now as compared to the to shows that were available when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, um, there weren't no Walking Dead when I was a, <laughs> when I was a kid. just wasn't around. And yeah. so it's a very, very tough case to make. And... Um, that is something that's, you know, that's really the, the first thing people need to say is they say, uh, is they need to say, if violent media consumption has something to do with violence, then when violent media consumption has increased, why has violence decreased, right? That and is also, uh, a big challenge. And I also would like to add a, 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 like a sort of subcategory into that question. Why do the, why don't we hear stories about the people who perform in violent media not going out and committing crimes? Like I was in a production of And Then There Were None about two years ago. I played the judge who we later find out the end is a serial killer. I've never had the urge to go out and murder people who, for, just for the sake of it. So it's like, I think that's the other question these people I've never seen raised and I've never seen answers. Why don't the people who go out and perform violent acts go are on screen end up doing that in real life i mean like i don't think uma thurmer took a samurai store to 88 people in real life or after or like after she was done filming kill bill so it's it when i'm con- in what i'm well, i'm just concerned like what their point is what's and why in the face of so much evidence they just simply are like maybe this is just my own naivety but why no no i look yeah. hang on sorry so because again we're, we're just st- stream of issues and i just want to be able to pick a, pick them apart a little bit at a time yeah so, uh, first of all, if people are worried about exposure to violent media, talk to me about the Bible. Like, holy God, on a stick of fire. I mean, the, talking about the Bible in terms of ultra-violent literature, ultra-violent media, the Bible is, I think, without par the most violent book that has ever been put down on paper. I mean, you literally have the genocide of the entire human race, except for Noah and his family and all that. Uh, You have uh, rapes, sellings into slavery, um, selling of children into sexual slavery. You have endless amounts of murder. 
uh, you have uh, wars, you have the slaughtering of entire villages, the the the, defi- the raping, mass raping of women of vill- uh, of towns that you conquer, and the murder of all men over the age of twelve. You have, uh, I mean, it it just it literally goes on and on. If people are concerned about violence in the media, well, the first place they need to look is the Bible. Has she ever done a show about that? Bell hooks. Um... I, again, I've just recently become familiar with her. She does believe that um, ap- that uh, people, the women and people of color, need to be exposed to other religious figures other than white Jesus, as she put it. Um, and okay, she does. So believe- the answer is no. Right, yeah. The answer is no. Also, do, do like I assume that this is portrayed relatively negatively uh, in the uh, in the show Empire. But you see, uh, in in the Bible, the the highest moral being says that homosexuals should be killed. So yeah. if there was a highly influential media figure that millions and millions of people believed was real and was the ultimate authority and was ordering them to stone to death adulterers, to kill atheists, uh, to kill, um, you know, to, to beat moneylenders with whips and to kill homosexuals and all that, well, then I think the incitement to violence would have a pretty strong case to make. But fictional characters putting one child into a garbage can portrayed in a negative way Compared to the Bible, with its ultimate divine commandment to murder, to kill homosexuals, I, again, I, I, it's got nothing to do with actual concern about the media or actual concern about fictional stories and their effects on people, because again, then you'd be focusing on the Bible. The purpose of it uh, is, um, is quite simple. I mean, the purpose of it is simply to um, put people at odds with that which gives them pleasure, right? That's the oldest con in the book, right? Make you ashamed of your sex drives. Ooh, do you want to masturbate? You bad. Ooh, do you enjoy violent video games? You're bad. Ooh, do you enjoy uh, uh, do you enjoy movies uh, that uh, have violence in them? Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, do you enjoy this video game? That means you're participating in the oppression of women. Ooh, you're bad. All your preferences, all your likes, everything that makes you happy, everything that gives you contentment, everything that excites you is bad. Bad, 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 bad. It's this finger wagging. You know, cold-eyed kindergarten teacher from Hell Ice Queen that is uh, just des- designed to put you at odds with stuff that is fun. Look, violent video games are fun. I've played violent video games. I've played non-violent video games, and they're fun. I don't, ha- you know, do I have any particular preference? Well, you know, I've invested a lot into the Twitch responses for first-person shooters, so I'm a little drawn to those. And not a lot of those are flowing, uh, throwing ping-pong balls at Barney the dinosaur, and yeah. so. That's sort of where I'm drawn to. Oh, again, I haven't played them in a while since I became a dad. It's really not been part of my schedule. But um, no, it's it's just uh, just making people feel bad. Making people feel bad about that which gives them pleasure. It's like the oldest con in the world. And uh, you know, you're you're somehow participating in bad things for having fun. I mean, anybody who doesn't see that that's the basic principle of religion is just not looking carefully at all, right? Oh, do you enjoy this? Oh, that's bad. Do you like that food? That's gluttony. You want more? That's greed. That's a sin, too. Sex? Ooh, no, no. No, that's bad. Are you looking at another woman with lust in your eyes because you are a human being? Oh, bad. No, no, that's exactly the same as adultery uh, and so evil. Like it's What it's designed to do is designed to get you to war with yourself so that you don't actually question the powers that be. Right? When you set people against themselves, 
you take away their spines and they become little worry warts looking at their own little impulses and trying to figure out how every impulse they have is bad and they you set themselves against themselves and then what they don't do is they don't question the way society works they don't question the powers that be because they're too busy rooting around in their own little demonology trying to figure out how bad they are for drawing another goddamn breath and socialists are the new priests. I'm telling you, there's nothing more you need to know about the left than that socialists are the new priests. And so the moment that uh, the people on the left, whether it's Anita Sarkeesian or Bella Hook, Hook's Hook, <laughs> uh, what, 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 I mean, the moment that they make you feel bad for things that you enjoy that are non-initiations of force, you know, I mean, if, if she's, a, if she's a, a black woman, then... What you do, I mean, if you're responsible, right, if you're not just a demagogue, uh, what you do is you say, oh, well, you know, let's see where violence is most concentrated in America. Oh, it's in the black community. Uh, all right. Um, uh, how was violence in the black community before there was uh, this media? Well, it was pretty high. How's violence in the black community now? Well, it's pretty high. And let's look at root causes of violence, particularly among young men. Oh, look, there we go. Single motherhood. Huh. I don't think that what happens is you watch The Walking Dead and a woman gets knocked up miraculously. <laughs> I don't think that's the fucking cause and effect that we're talking about here. Oh, look, I'm playing Call of Duty and I accidentally shot a sperm through the wall into my sleeping neighbor. <laughs> and she got pregnant without a father around. You know, the, the fact that you've got someone lined up in your crosshairs on a video game does not result in the immaculate conception and unmarried births of kids to the women around you, right? And I, you could say, if you wanted to, like if you wanted to bitch at the media, which is a fine thing to do, I do it as well. But what you could say, which would be much more rational and useful, and therefore almost nobody does it, is you could say any media which glorifies single motherhood or, or doesn't roundly condemn it is incredibly destructive to society and produces a lot of violence in the world. Because by glorifying single motherhood and by portraying single mothers as victims and brave, noble souls struggling to overcome adversity that has nothing to do with where they happen to position their stilettos one Saturday night, uh, that is incredibly destructive because it makes women feel that single motherhood is a viable option. And a single motherhood, of course, as I've talked about many times in this show before, is viciously selfish as a whole because uh, a single motherhood is very bad for children. And so what you should do if you get pregnant outside of a committed relationship is you should give your child up for adoption because adopted children do about as well as children born into two-parent households as long as they're adopted by a dual-parent household. And so by keeping your children with you, you are harming them. You are selfishly pursuing your preferences and harming your children's outcomes. And so the media, which portrays casual sex, which portrays the hookup culture, which denigrates men, which denigrates marriage, that is the stuff that is producing violence in society because it is putting forward the single, mo single mother culture, which is uh, producing violence and failure and drug addiction and promiscuity and uh, aggression and criminality and all of that in society. But you see, that would be to criticize women. And we, we, we don't do that <laughs> because, you see, women, although women have been clamoring for equality low these many years, still remain these semi-Victorian, uh, fragile uh, figurines of uh, infinite uh, delicate tensions and fragility and can't be ever uh, granted full moral responsibility because, you see, <laughs> a lot of people, I understand why, 
they want all the benefits of equality without the responsibilities of equality. So the idea of criticizing women for uh, violence in society and criticizing the media that panders uh, to these women's fantasies that being a single mother is a fine old thing for those kids. No problem. <laughs> she's great. She's noble. She's heroic. She's struggling. She's doing the best she can. She's just, you know, let's just go give her, give old sister a help. And particularly in the black community, right? So you trace violence back to its statistically most significant cause, which is single motherhood, and then you would examine the degree to which the media supports and enables and praises single motherhood, and the degree to which it, it denigrates men, and the degree to which it keeps the dysfunctions of the children of single mothers hidden from society. I mean, have you ever seen a movie where the single mother's kids are hellish? Uh, I guess the movie Parenthood from way back. But the single mother's kids are hellish, and the, um, the married uh, parents' kids are not. And the single mother is like a narcissistic bitch, and the uh, married mom is, is nice and, and helpful, right? Now, this is not to characterize all single mothers that way or all married women that way. Of course not. But there are definite trends which support that as a reasonably viable thesis and something which could be put with some credibility on the screen or in a book. But, of course, if you do that, as Dan Quayle found out when he criticized Murphy Brown, the sitcom character from the 90s who decided to have a child on her own, criticized that and said that's really bad. Now, of course, what, 20-odd years later, uh, people are saying, oh, I guess he was right. You know, like Daniel, Daniel Patrick Moynihan in his report on the black family in the 1960s was roundly condemned as a racist. And 20 or 30 years later, when it's far too late to do anything about it, everyone says, oh, I guess he was right. So uh, that, would be, that would be where, you know, but, but see, if you criticize violent video games and you criticize the consumption of violent media, who are you criticizing? Why, you're criticizing men. Ooh, what a brave radical you are. Ooh, criticizing men. Wow, you're really living on the danger zone, baby. You, oh my God, what an incredibly brave thing to do to criticize men because that's never happened before. Nobody's been piling on men, particularly white men, for the last, say, 50 or 60 years. Ooh, wow, it's great that there's no lineup to criticize white men, you brave, noble hero of absolutely radical egalitarianism. Ah, you try criticizing single moms or put female responsibility front and center and see what happens. That's where the courageous people are these days. So I just find this complaining about the habits of men. It's like, oh, how boring, how ridiculous, how, uh, how conservative in a weird way, if that makes any sense. Uh, to answer a question you had for me previously, I've not seen that in a movie, but I actually had, did see that in a TV show where the single mom was portrayed as a narcissistic, um, entitled, uh, I, can I curse on your show? Mm. Uh, bitch and um, it was called Secret Life of the American Teenager and it was with Shailene Woodley and even she came out and said that the show was the show's the, the values of the show pre uh, the, some of the things that they had her character do was nonsensical and she's like this spoiled entitled bitch who expects everything to be handed to her and uh, it is just this, uh, part of a law part of this whole a bunch of dysfunctional people that run around screwing up their lives and the lives of and the lives of others. So I actually or have how about that. how about a sing have you okay so have you yeah. seen a single mom show where the the single mom's boyfriend is actually kind of a nice guy but she's so horrible she drives him off Actually that was that actually did happen in secret life <laughs> Cool so there's yeah. one fantastic yes. fantastic Yeah fantastic <laughs> um but for the most part of course uh the like I'm thinking of the movie Parenthood it's an old movie with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis and uh, and uh, other people like that a very young Keanu Reeves and <laughs> You know, you you need a license to own a dog. You need a license to drive a car. 
but any butt-wielding asshole can be a parent. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's great lines in that movie. But of course, the single mom, uh, Diane Weiss, I think, uh, plays the single mom. And, you know, she's heroic and she's noble, a little hysterical and so on. But it's the dad who's the jerk. And uh, But to be fair, her son is deeply dysfunctional and, uh, like, incredibly dark and... Uh, enjoys like masturbating to basically rape and snuff films and it's like a really dark uh, character in the show but of course he gets all better because Keanu Reeves idiotically tells him that there's nothing wrong with masturbation and then he's fine because <laughs> that's how you cure uh, symptoms like that of course so uh, but it's just it's just very rare and uh, it is um, just one of these eye-rolling a cliche. So you, you, you know, it's the old statement. If you want to know who rules over you, look at you. You're not allowed to criticize. That's how you know that male privilege or white male privilege is, is just nonsense, because piling on the white male uh, pleasure factories is uh, it's just boring. I mean, I think this is partly a bit incoherently though. I think this is partly what uh, people are responding to in the Anita Sarkeesian stuff. Is that you know, if you if you're really worried about negative stereotypes of women or imprinting negative stereotypes of women then Look you really the need mirror. to be talking about single mothers no i don't know i don't know much about her as a person <laughs> but uh you know who, who do you in terms of negative stereotypes of of women and and damage to to women's credibility in the eyes of men does does a, a one video game have much impact or is the fact that 73% of blacks and close to 40% of whites these days are growing up without a father in other words, they have a mother who's so irresponsible that she can't even find or choose a decent man or keep a decent man. So, so she, she should be saying, well, you know, uh, uh, here's the problem. But you see, now the problem is not women behaving badly. Like, it, the problem is that men like video games. And that's just, it's so unbelievably blind. I mean, and it's so unbelievably blind, they don't even know that they're blind to it. Like, I bet you, I mean, if you ever to talk to one of these activists and say, okay, so you think that, that media is having some sort of negative impact on boys' perceptions of women, do you know that the average middle-class mother hits her child and hits her boys even more than she hits her girls? I mean, that, that would be like if, if a man beat up his wife... A man beat up his wife or hit his wife. Let's just say hit. I mean, let's follow the time. A man hits his wife and his wife is depressed. And we say, you know, I'm really concerned that the wife is reading Jane Austen novels. <laughs> and that's why she's depressed. You know, we really should take, we really got to take these Jane Austen novels away from this woman because they're really, they're giving her such an unrealistic view of marriage and an unrealistic, they're giving her a negative view of men. And, um, you know, because there's a lot of cads, a lot of guys who are not very trustworthy in those novels. So here, you poor bruised victim, I'm going to take away the one thing that's giving you some pleasure in this world. And then, then you're going to all be better because you see those Jane Austen novels are really giving you a negative view of men. If you tried saying that, Every feminist in the world would go completely insane, and rightly so, and rightly so, and would say, are you kidding me? She's getting hit by her husband a thousand times a year, and your concern is somehow a female writer is contributing to her negative view of men? And how about if all of her friends, or 80% of her friends, are also getting hit 
a thousand times a year by their husbands. And she's surrounded in a culture where that's praised and normal and considered healthy and defended and perfectly legal. They'd say, I think you're completely missing the boat. You're taking away one of the few solaces and fun things that she has and saying that her husband hitting her a thousand times a year and all of her friends' husbands, or at least 80% of her friends' husbands hitting her, hitting them a thousand times a year, that that is not important. It's not even worth mentioning in terms of how she might have a negative view of men. But the only thing is the media she's consuming, the books that she's reading. That's the only problem. I mean, again, when we put it in that context, can you just see how completely mental where we live? Oh, absolutely. So when people start talking about female violence and female sexual irresponsibility, and I don't mean that that's the only cause of of female violence at all. I mean, (laughs) but this... This is, I mean, and, and people, this is how defensive people are, because yeah, I see these comments a lot, which is that, uh, oh, well, what about the guys? It's like, for Christ's sake, we've just spent about the last 5,000 years talking about the violence of men. Can we just take a break and focus on women? You know, maybe just for a year or two. Just a point oh 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 two percent of the time, let's just focus on the ladies, right? Equality of opportunity. Okay. <laughs> Equality of opportunity for moral criticism. Let's include that. But um, as people say, well, it takes two to tango. Well, what about the men? Well, like for the women who get pregnant uh, and, and have the kid, what about the men? It's like, come on. Well, I went over this last show. I won't go over it again. But um, uh, it, it's sort of like, to me, if everyone said that drunk driving was really great and, and you should really try and drink as many uh, uh, shots of tequila before getting behind the wheel as you can possibly stand and uh, it was all considered wonderful and you were never allowed to criticize drunk driving and I said well you know we really got to start talking about drunk driving here and people would like oh yeah so you saying uh, even if it were true that drunk driving contributes to accidents there'd still be accidents without drunk driving man it's like well yeah <laughs> but but there'd be fewer and it really matters. And it's the same thing with female responsibility in this era. So, yeah, when, when and, and in their largely incoherent way, you know, I circled around the issues of Gamergate, and I'm scarcely an expert on it, but my guess would be just off the cuff and without any detailed research that um, a, a lot of men, of course, uh, are raised uh, with uh, single moms. And that has a much more negative impact on their view of women than anything that could possibly occur in the media. And uh, also a, a lot of men, uh, boys, when they're boys, they're raised with a lot of uh, be, being hit a lot by, by their mothers and by maybe other uh, women. And that is going to have a huge amount more to do with a negative view of women than anything on their computer. So uh, that would be my uh, response to that. Mike, you got a bit of research on Empire? Yeah, would you want to read it, or shall I take a swing? No, go for it. All right, this is from an article. For openly gay African-American Empire creator Lee Daniels, he revealed that he and Jussie Smollett, who plays Jamal Leon on the hit series, have both received death threats as a result of the ongoing storyline regarding homophobia. Daniels and Smollett are both renowned figures in the LGBT community and have been praised for infusing the issue of homophobia within the black community into the storyline. As for the idea of a little boy dressed in his mother's clothing being heaved into a trash can, Daniels fetched back to his own experiences growing up with a father 
who tossed him into a trash can after seeing him walk down the steps in his mother's red heels, all the while plaguing him with hateful slurs and the idea that he would, quote, never amount to anything. The two-time Academy Award-winning director also cited other reasons for the plot surrounding homophobia, such as the black community's bigoted attitudes towards homosexuals and closeted men who fear harassment and ridicule. Despite the death threats, Daniels said that he would continue to address the issue of homophobia in his work until it is resolved. That's a positive thing to see, this being addressed in what is a mainly black show. That's uh. But it's not nice to see the death threats coming from what appears well, to be the had, black community uh, because of this. Yeah, we, we had a very brave young black uh, gay man uh, on this show talking about how difficult it was in the black community. He was gay and an atheist, and uh, it, 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 he, he said it's very, very tough in that community to be gay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I consider this progress. I think that's a, that's a good thing. But, uh, yeah, the death threats, yikes. Yikes. But I might All have to right, check so. this one out. Do you? Uh, is that enough? Can we move on to the next call? I, mean, I say this to the listener, of course, because it's your question. I, I have. No, I just think it's like this. Uh, it just shows how ignorant Bell Hooks really is when she has no idea why that scene was even included. Because it sounds exactly like the, the scene that Mr. Daniels described sounds completely how um, Bell Hooks described the scene that she had such a negative reaction to. And also, I think it it speaks to the profound weakness of these people that they can be so affected by things that aren't real. Yeah, and and have you ever heard homophobia um, it, it applied to say um, a black people's fear and hostility towards lesbians? It, I mean, I've never really heard that, to be honest. No, of course not. We, you know, when people say sexism, they we, they mean white males. When people say homophobia, they mean white males. Yeah, because white males are about the least homophobic group in the known universe. And we can see that just by looking around countries that are largely run by white males are far more friendly to lesbians and gays and bisexuals and transgendered people than any other countries, any other cultures. So white males are by far the the most tolerant and the most positive. Uh, And yet, whenever you hear about homophobia, it's only and forever to do with white males. This is just part of the general horrifying anti-white male prejudice that goes on in society as a whole, when people say racism, as I pointed out in the show, are they talking about black people's racism towards Hispanics? No, <laughs> they're only and forever talking about white males' uh, racism. And um, so I just really sort of wanted to point out that um, uh, homophobia is just code for anti-white male and um, uh, racism is code for uh, anti-white male and sexism is code for anti-white male. And again, it's really hard to see this and it's hard for the people who even use these terms to see this. You kind of have to be a self-aware white male to see uh, everything that's uh, going on. So um, that's, it, to me, this is just part of the same thing. I've also heard no stories about Jennifer Lopez having a, uh, getting death threats for having a black lesbian on her show. So it was, so you can see that in action. So <laughs> if white males were as hot as Jennifer Lopez, we'd be fine. I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. Challenge no. accepted. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, man. Great set of questions. Of course. And, um, I, I get, sorry, just when I was saying the last thing about white males, I recognize that these are threats against the black male director. So uh, I just really want to be clear. I'm not trying to appropriate, and I applaud him for what he's doing. I'm not certainly trying to appropriate um, the, the hostility that he's facing and trying to make it about a white male thing. But just in general, 
uh, homophobia is um, you didn't see a lot of articles when the blacks in California opposed gay marriage saying talking about rampant homophobia uh, in the um, uh, in the black community. Unless, of course, people were going to say that rampant homophobia in the black community could be blamed on white racism, uh, because then <laughs> if somehow whites, white males in particular are responsible, it's OK for black people to have a vice if white males are somehow responsible, which, again, is incredibly racist towards blacks. You know, when, when you say uh, these people can be uh, nasty and jerks and horrible and monstrous, uh, you're actually showing them the same respect that everyone shows to white males. Um, so yeah, I am uh, <laughs> all for one and one for all uh, kind of guy. Whenever you say this group of people are always victims, you strip their moral responsibility uh, and uh, it's really dehumanizing to them. So, all right, let's move on, if that's all right. Up next is John. John wrote in and said, For an atheist, you sure do use a lot of religious phrases and allusions, i.e., wages of sin are death. Let he, is who, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Sin itself, etc. I'm not criticizing your atheism. Not only would that be stupid and wrong, but it would also be contrary to my question. Can you make the descriptions and arguments for universally preferable behavior in the non-aggression principle without using the religious terms and references? I've seen a few of your videos in which you discuss the concept of evil as being no religion required. And although I agree with that premise, I find myself wanting for better descriptions and arguments, but I can live with it so far. I'm rather poor at debate myself, and I'm looking for better arguments and falling back on religious descriptions just feels weak to me. Huh. All right, John, are you there? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, so uh, let me explain a little bit about my situation so you understand where I'm coming from, and that is uh, the people that I am having discussions, these philosophical discussions with where your, your ideas come up, um, are uh, th they know that I am a uh, follower of the teachings of the Rabbi Jesus Christ. Um, this this puts me at a distinct disadvantage because was every... he a rabbi? Really? <laughs> well, let's see. Um, he was Jewish and a holy man. Um, yeah, the rabbi was a bit more formal, wasn't he? I thought the um, rabbi was a bit more formal. Not that I'm aware of. At least not four thousand years ago, or two thousand years ago, or however you're you're you know counting your calendar. I think you can just look at the calendar and get the number of years ago. But okay, okay. I just, yeah, I thought yeah. That, so I think so, that in emergencies you can promote a rabbi, but I thought it was a bit more formal. But anyway, it doesn't really hugely matter. Okay, so you're a Christian. That's that's the lump I get plugged into, and so every time I use... wait, 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 no, no, hang on, hang on. I haven't plugged you into any lump. Just tell me what your beliefs are, because uh, uh, if you're not a no, Christian, I don't I, I, refer okay. to you. So let me let me put it this way: I look to the ancient text for the ancient wisdom within the context of the ancient time. Uh, I recognize that the, the Bible is uh, ancient Hollywood, okay? It's, it's got all your stories in there. It's got your, your children's stories. It's got your cute and cuddly. It's got your war stories. It's got your love stories. It's got your outright porn. Uh, it's, you know, it's Hollywood. But there's some, some wisdom in there to go strain out and then some reasons that, they, they, that was put in place to, to spread this this wisdom, and so that's what I'm looking for um, when I, when I look at it. But because I do spend a, a, a lot of time with my nose in the Bible, I get uh, placed into being called what is a Christian, which I used to believe I was, but given what I've seen recently, I don't. Um, I ain't that, <laughs> given you know what the behaviors and and some of the crazy things I've I've seen people saying. So that's that's 
where I am. And it's, it's because of, of this, this understanding that I have and looking to this, this ancient text that anytime I bring up a religious reference or a, a, a biblical reference, uh, it's suddenly that's your just your religion, and the the arguments invalidated. Um, even though you know uh, things like you know killing people who aren't a direct and immediate threat to your person or your family is a bad thing um, can be, can be accepted. You know you say it, thou shalt not murder. Oh, that's just your religion. That can't be right. It's wrong because that's your religion. You know th- this is what I run into. Right. Okay. And have you read my free book, Universally Preferable Behavior, Irrational Proof I of Secular I just listened Available. to it again. Uh, I just okay. listened to it again um, uh, pr- in preparation for this. Oh, and I, I just listened to your uh, your uh, fisking of Donald Trump's uh, plan as well, and I like it. Uh, <laughs> so, Well, uh, I appreciate that. So what um, – were there religious terms in the book that uh, you well, found objectionable? Uh, um, well, okay. Let's start with the concept of sin itself. Um, you know, which sin means to miss, right? Is in you know, you miss the target when you're throwing a spear or shooting an arrow. Um, at least in the ancient Greek. But the idea that if you do not behave in a way that is conducive to the great spirit of whatever form it is, then something bad is going to happen to you. Um, you know, Mike, can th- you just uh, sort of interrupt? I don't remember. I could, of course, it's been years since I wrote it, but I don't remember using the word sin in any fundamental way in UPB. Could you just yeah, whip up the book and just have a quick, you know. a quick search? I don't remember using the um, word sin in there, yeah, uh, but uh, uh, I'm certainly happy to to be corrected if uh, I'm incorrect about that. Yeah, it, it just it um, stuck out to me there as as being um, the, this concept uh, where. You, you do something wrong or you're, you're incorrect about something and and then, you know, bad things happen. You know, if, if I go and kill your dog, you're not going to be really happy with me over that. And you're likely to do something bad to me. Um, th- this would, you know, I wrongfully took the life of your dog. You know, this this would be a sin. But if I put it in terms of, of a uh, biblical term suddenly i i fall on my face you know uh, well no but see i mean that's not not the violence that people have to deal with in the world right i mean very few people i remember aaron pitsy on this show was talking about how um people um hurt her dog um when when they disagreed with her political stances but um most people don't have to worry about their pets being murdered by someone or pets being killed by someone that the the violence that people have to deal with is the violence that everyone thinks is good, right? Like spanking and taxation, just oh, two of yes, the sort of most absolutely. Um, and you know. so the idea, you know, the idea that we start off moral arguments by talking about pet death is, um, you know, we're no. in the middle of a plague, and, and the plague is not the violence that people all know is wrong, and how to rationally delineate that which everybody knows is wrong. That's like having a massive and expensive anti-smoking campaign among 16th century Inuit who've never even heard of tobacco, right? I mean, this is not what people are dealing with in terms of their issues. The way that the, the problem that we have in the world is the evils that people think are good. And sure. that is the big challenge. So if you want to start talking about taxation or spanking, uh, they're, they're not the only two, but the two that I think are, are most important in many ways, then that is, uh, I think, where we would begin the discussion around ethics. Okay, that, then that is, uh, that is just fine. And, and we get back to... 
uh, this idea that uh, killing somebody who uh, is not an immediate threat to you is is bad. Um, this is, you know, throughout the r- religious text. Yet, I yeah, believe but that- bad. Sorry, but b- bad is it doesn't that bad is not a philosophical word, right? Well, uh, it, 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 people people try and stick some negative adjective to a behavior and think that they've achieved something philosophical, or they try to stick a totalitarian commandment uh, against, like, thou shalt not kill or burn in hell kind of stuff. These are not philosophical exercises, right? The the mere attaching of a pejorative to a behavior uh, is, or the mere attaching of a punishment to a behavior is not a philosophical argument. Otherwise, when someone swats a puppy with a newspaper, they're engaged in a Socratic dialogue, which they're not. It's just attaching negative consequences or negative language to a behavior is not a philosophical exercise. Yes, um, I uh, agree with that, but um, I'm also talking with people who will will take that and say, well, this religion says that that is a quote-unquote bad thing, and, you know, observing your... your, your your discussion of, of putting a, a value on it. Um, there's, sorry, sorry. There's there's no religion that I know of that makes a universal case against murder. In fact, most of the religions that I know of are ha- have at their center gods who murder regularly. Yeah. And so th- there's no possibility that you can have a religious system that condemns murder when the most high moral being in that religious system is a serial killer. What of seeing that conflict, though, between it is the wrong lesson you're trying to learn. Uh, you know, because it, it, there's, there's two places. There, there's, there's multiple places, actually, uh, within, the, within the text where, uh, you know, you have the supreme being being a se- serial killer uh, and yet saying, you know, thou shalt not murder or kill or however... Yeah, your translation. There's a conflict there, but maybe that's not the lessons you're trying to. You're supposed to be learning. No, there's no conflict there at all in terms of the political purpose of religion. The political oh, well, purpose I, of religion I'm not is disagreeing to, is with to, that. No, the, um, the political purpose of religion is to make the slaves dance in happiness, right? At, at, at being slaves, and the political purpose of religion is to make the slaves not attack each other, because that ruins the value. Uh, of the slaves to the slave owner. So make the slaves not attack each other. Thou shalt not kill each other because you cost about a Volvo for me and I don't want Volvos involved in robot cage matches and scratching up their paint or maybe breaking their axles. So the purpose of religion in general... Hang on, let me finish. Let me finish. The purpose of religion in general is to convince the slaves neither to attack each other nor to attack the masters. And the way that it does it is, of course, it creates hysterical punishments, which creates conformity, and then the scar tissue of conformity is self-righteousness. Because when people are forced to conform to a brutal power, the only way they can live with themselves in their subjugation is to take a perverse pride in their subjugation, which is why the meek are so often praised and self-praised in religion. So you make sure that the slaves don't murder each other, and you make sure that the slaves never think of rising up against the slave owner or the slave master. Those are the two central purposes. And the third is to make sure that the slaves never imagine that the moral rules imposed by the rulers ever apply to the rulers by making it a blasphemy to actually believe that a moral rule is universal when it is claimed to be universal, which is why so few people, even raised in a religious environment, 
why so few people say, well, if murder is evil, how is God, the greatest murderer in the Bible, possibly not evil, right? Because you have to sort of completely detach yourself and say the rulers can do whatever the hell they want. The rulers can violate their own moral rules at will and still be perfectly virtuous. Therefore, or, it is or not universal. they can universal. designate who needs to be murdered. They, they can designate for you who needs to be murdered as well. Absolutely. And, that, that's so, so, and the fourth part is to make sure that the slaves will kill whoever you tell them to. And you Absolutely. do that by having endless stories, as you say, of God hiring uh, hitmen, God's hiring hitmen in order to perform the murders that are advantageous to those in power. And that trains people to uh, become good soldiers and kill whoever the rulers point at. So the idea that there's any fundamental moral exercise in religion, uh, no, it is a merely a fantastic way to get people to relish and worship their subjugation to violent secular power. And that is the religious standpoint, and that is the religious teaching that I actually that, – that's why I distinguish myself from being a Christian, because that's not the lesson I learn. I learn that exactly what we see as being used over and over again in the, in the Bible uh, of the rulers themselves uh, either directly and deliberately deciding who is going to be killed or giving it up to the mob – and telling the mob who it is that they're going to kill and sending them after them, just as we see today, as, as in the courts, going after uh, uh, some bakers that decide they don't want to bake a, a cake for somebody uh, for some you know, purposeful uh, belief of their own. Uh, and so the, the Lord will come after them. Or, as we see in the case uh, as happening in uh, Ferguson, most definitely, as you've been uh, noting recently, or as happened in Baltimore, uh, they send the uh, lynch mob out or the riot squad out to go off and create these uh, these uh, horrible events as well. And this has been predicted and shown to us over and over again in the text. This is what I'm talking about with learning the wrong lesson, is that we see this over and over again where the uninformed and the aggrieved are pitted against, uh, you know, the, the some group, whatever group, be it a weak group, a strong group, a, a rich group, a poor group, uh, a group just trying to get by, uh, and they, they are spotted out as the bad people, and therefore they need to be attacked. And so the uh, lords and masters, either directly or indirectly, will send out will either come after the, the bad guys and stoke up the fires and say, these are bad guys because they have too much, they took too much, they earned too much, uh, they speak too much, they have too nice a teeth, their hair is too nice. Uh, whatever the, the reason is, they send them out. And this is the type of lesson that I'm looking at. Not that the uh, supreme being is a, is a massive genocidal maniac, but the fact that these mobs keep coming back over and over again, believing themselves to be righteous because they're stoked up by who? Uh, the priests or stoked up by the popular ones or uh, the powerful or the, the merchant class or whichever class group it happens to be. They get stoked up and sent out after them. And so this is just, that's an example of, of the types of things that I'm saying. Maybe we're learning the wrong lesson. There, there's some things that are universal in here. And so that's what I'm after. Well, I, then, no, if they're, if they're in religion, they're not universal, because it's based upon irrationality, which is subjectivism. Uh, I used but, the word sin once 
in the entire book, Universally Preferable Behavior, which people can get for free at freedomainradio.com slash free. Uh, and I recommend the, the audio book. I don't read fast, but the audio book goes really great. So this is the quote. Uh, I write, children do not have to be bullied into eating candy or playing tag or understanding that two plus two is four. The human mind does not require the truth be inflicted through terror, boredom, insults, and repetition. A child does not have to be taught that a toy is real by telling him that he is damned to hell for eternity if he does not believe that the toy is real. A child does not have to be bullied into believing that chocolate tastes good by being told that his taste buds are damned by original sin. So I don't use the term sin other than in its religious context in terms of criticism. Uh, as, I just wanted to be clear about that because you were talking about how there was a religious context for the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a, a couple of other discussions that I had heard you, you bringing that up in as well. Um, and like no, I that's said, the only time. Mike just did a search. That's the only time. He's got the text, right? So that's the only time that the book. Okay. I'm not trying to catch you out or anything. I just really want to be, uh, be clear that, uh, no, that that's I don't fine. use the term sin to justify anything in the book because that wouldn't make any sense to me. Uh, that's well. See, that's what caught me up, and I was. Uh, it was a different discussion you were having that 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 had come up more more frequently. But it's um, the the idea that we're we're learning perhaps the wrong lessons and we're arguing over the wrong points. Um, you know, again, I'm sorry, I don't I don't really know what we're talking about. So I'll, I'll give you the very a very brief um, uh, sort of ABC of UPB, so to speak, about how uh, I can argue for this. So first of all. It's the universality that is important. Uh, ethics must be uh, universal. Otherwise, they, there's no way to differentiate an ethical statement, which must apply to all people at all times. There's no way to differentiate that from a statement of preference. I like the color blue. Uh, I like Mozart. Uh, these are not universal preferences. And so uh, the, uh, the, and the, I, the proof for all of this is in the book. So I'm not expecting to... I can't build the whole proof just in a, a brief conversation. So if you have... A proposition, if you have a theory that you claim is universal, it must be universal. That's sort of an Aristotelian A is A thing. If I claim something is universal, then it must be universal, right? So if I have a scientific theory that claims this is how behavior will universally, this is how matter will universally behave, then it must be true everywhere at all times and under all circumstances. Otherwise, it is no longer, it can no longer be called universal. Right, so if I claim that uh, a theory is universal, then it must be universal. Now, if I say I have a theory that um, murder is universally preferable behavior, not that everyone will prefer it at all times and in all circumstances, but it is universally preferable behavior for everyone to murder all at the same time, then the theory fails because it cannot be universally implemented. It's sort of like if I have a theory which says that if I let go of a rock at the North Pole, it must fall up and down at the same time. If that is my theory, we do not have to go to the North Pole and test it because what I propose is a contradiction, a rock falling up and down at the same time. If I have a theory of navigation which says that to sail from uh, Auckland to Vancouver, you must sail north, south, and east, and west at the same time, uh, which is a physically impossible thing to do, then uh, we do not have to do anything further but simply point out the inherent self-contradiction of the hypothesis or the proposition and say that this is false. So in the same way, if I say that murder, the initiation 
of uh, a killing action against somebody else's will. If I say that murder is universally preferable behavior, and it turns out that even in two people within the same room, murder cannot be achieved as a universal, as universally preferable behavior, then we do not need to do anything further other than reject the thesis. And so if we have Bob and Doug in a room, and we say to them both, murder is universally preferable, then they must both prefer to kill each other and be killed at the same time. But unfortunately, if somebody prefers to be killed, it is no longer murder. In the same way that if I offer you something um, to take from me, if I say, here, I bought you a cup of coffee, here you go, it's free, and then you take it from me, I cannot call that theft because I wish for you to have the cup of coffee. On the other hand, if you come and grab my cup of coffee against my will, that is theft. And so you have oppositional states for two people in the same room if murder or theft or assault or rape is universally preferable because all of those behaviors are desired by one party, murder, theft, rape, and assault. They are desired by one party and specifically opposed by the other party. So the example I've used before is that if I take an old fridge of mine, forget the fridge, it's dangerous. (laughs) I have an old couch, let's say, and I put it on my front lawn and I say, free for the taking. I can't call the cops and say someone stole my couch from my front lawn because I've clearly said that I don't want it and other people can have it and it's not theft because I want them to take it from me. In fact, in fact if they don't, it's a bummer because then I've got to drive to the dump or something, right? Well, and so if uh, okay. you have, hang on, if you have universally preferable behavior, then it must be preferable by all people at the same time under the same circumstances. But murder, theft, rape, and assault in particular are actions that one person prefers, because if one person doesn't prefer it, it will never happen, and one person must oppose it, right? Because if, um, if I do not oppose someone stealing from me, then it's not stealing. In other words, if the person stealing from me thinks that stealing is wonderful, and I also want them to steal from me because I think that stealing is wonderful, then it's not stealing because I want them to take my property. So if two people simultaneously wanting stealing to be the most wonderful thing evaporates the very concept of stealing, then we have a self-contradictory proposition wherein the universality of the proposition cannot possibly achieved be achieved because it requires opposing states of mind and therefore it cannot be universally preferred. So that's a very brief, and I know it's a bit of a tongue twister and a bit of a brain twister, but if somebody says my uh, universally preferable behavior is theft, everybody should steal at all times and all circumstances and in all situations, Uh, It's impossible to achieve, even for two people in a room. Therefore, it cannot be universalized. However, if I do say people should respect each other's property rights, well, two people in the same room at the same time can both respect each other's property rights. And uh, so respect for property, respect for the sanctity of life, those those universals can be achieved by all people at all times, and therefore there's no innate self-contradiction to the proposition that respect for property is universally preferable behavior. The non-initiation of violence. Two people, (laughs) believe it or not, uh, despite what happened at uh, Bobby Houston's funeral, two people in the same room at the same time can uh, can absolutely not assault each other (laughs) at the same time. They can can both sit there uh, reading uh, books and not assaulting each other, and therefore the non-initiation of force can be universalized. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to do it. It just means that the theory can be universalized, whereas the initiation of the force, uh, at the use of force against somebody else's will, 
cannot be universalized because one person has to not want it and the other person has to want it and therefore it can't be universally preferable for both people or for all people. So that's, again, I'm not saying that that's immediately going to make everything crystal clear, but that's the genesis or general outline. Oh, genesis, damn it, I used another. Oh, wait, I'm referring oh, to yeah, the... Oh, yeah, oh, the, uh, we'll, we'll drop that Bible. one for now. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll so, so that's the general idea. Yeah, I, I, got, I get that. That is, that is entirely, you know, what you have gone over uh, just there, I get completely. What I have a problem with is with people that say that their own beliefs of I want this, therefore I should have it, and therefore you should want me to have it as well. They don't view it as theft. They don't see it as theft. They see it as, yes, it is universally preferable because I want it and you should want me to want it. Well, no, and then it's not universal. No, 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 no. Then it's not universal. Because... No, this is the mentality I'm dealing with. I'm not no, saying... No, well, then don't deal with it. Just tell them they're wrong. And if they don't accept something as obvious as being wrong, if one, like the, the principle is not, I want you give. The principle is, if it's going to be universal, it's going to be, everyone should give everyone else exactly what the other person wants. In which case, if I have $5 and you want it, then you say, well, you, you, you have to give me everything that you want. Uh, everything that I want, you have to conform to. Therefore, give me the $5. And then I say, well, I don't want to give you the $5, and so you shouldn't be asking me for it. because So then we stymied, and we end up, right? We can't both get what we want, and therefore, you know, it's not universal. And I don't know I mean, why bother keeping <laughs> dealing with people like that. I mean, if they can't well, understand, that is not a complicated argument. Well, I don't have much choice the people argument. I work with, so, you know, I'm, I'm Sure you have to... a choice. Sure you have a choice. What do you mean? Are you cursed to discuss philosophy with idiots? I mean, what did, were you like bad? Did, did, were you one of the people who voted to kill Socrates in a past life? I mean, what, what punishment are you uh, undergoing here? It might very well be that I, I was one of them that voted to, uh, to kill Socrates in a previous life because I keep running across these people that say, well, no, no I no, want no. this done. No, 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 no. Don't give me this passive talk. I mean, running across people. Deciding to engage with people in a philosophical conversation is a choice, right? Absolutely. And I, I keep trying to, to bring this up and I keep tripping over myself uh, with with coming across. And it's probably more my pro fault than, than yours. Um, OK, well, why don't we give a role play? Why don't we do a role play? You be one of these uh, dunderheads that you're trying to have a conversation with and I'll be you or I'll be me. <laughs> How about that's a little easier, right? Well, um, I don't have the rotund. Uh, I don't have the rotund vowel noises that you have, but uh, a lovely voice, but uh, so uh, you be the dunderhead, well, and I'll you know, say I, 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 I've got that problem too. Um, but, <laughs> so I um, let's see. I, I come up with the idea that you know, uh, killing uh, killing unborn children is a really bad choice, and but but and, and then I'll, I'll they'll come back with but God determined that they weren't supposed to be living so therefore they can you know we decide that they're not supposed to be um, wait you, you can't stop me off on abortion because I mean that's like we haven't discussed any of that right so let's just go with because well, all okay. the other examples you gave before were like murder and stuff uh, right so let's go uh, with okay that. Um, so um, this guy is uh, not looking at my wife uh, or my my daughter well. Um, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, you protect is he, her. Is he a bad guy? Is he a bad guy who's looking at your daughter badly? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, uh, I see somebody. Wait, are you, wait, hang on, hang on. Are you saying that you don't know the difference between a good guy and a bad guy? You have no way of identifying it? Uh, I'm not allowed to. See, this is a problem. I can't judge them by their character. I can't judge them by wait, their wait. dress. I can't judge them by their behavior. Why can't, hang on. Why, why can't you judge them? I don't understand. 
well, these are the people I'm dealing with. Who well, say, what do they uh, mean? They say they can't judge. Is it like, is it a sin? It, judge it, not lest you be judged? <laughs> oh, but I can't whip that one out. Um, okay, so, but so why can't they judge? Uh, because they're just another person. They're just somebody. Well, no, hang on. What if, what they are, what they if somebody has a giant, hang on. What, what if someone has a giant swastika tattooed on their forehead? Uh, is it possible to judge this person as, say, not Ben Shapiro? Um, well, it's, it's possible, but as it happens, uh, you know, one of my, uh, let's see, what is it? He's my god brother has a swastika tattooed on his forehead. Um, and he's actually not a bad guy, but they, they bring this up and say, well, you can't tell because he's got, you know, uh, you know, his pants hanging down low and, uh, you know, do- doesn't bother to, to shower and, uh, you know, he's got uh, some some funny dialect there, and you can't really ax him much. Uh, Wait, are they talking about a black person? Uh, actually, no, they're talking about a white guy. Okay, uh, I'm just wondering. Right, so, okay, no, no, it's, the, it, you know. This, this is this the Thomas Sowell, like, uh, the, the idea that the cracker culture comes from, like, Wales and the south of Scotland it, and all exactly. that. Exactly. So. Okay, and, okay. And, you know, it, it, this is the, the type of, of thing that I'm running into, and it, um, I'm saying, you know, no, I'm not going to let my daughter go out with that that person uh, because I I see some telltale signs and there and I get jumped on because they're saying, oh, you're looking at, uh, you know, just uh, the the stereotypes and this and and uh, just like you did, I'll get asked, well, was he black? And you know, I don't have any issues with my daughter. I I'm you've probably seen my photo. I'm as pasty white as a Clorox bottle. Um. You know, I don't have a problem with my my daughter dating a, a black guy. I don't have my daughter dating another girl. I I, I don't as long as it, you know they have some level of standard. Well, yeah, I would. As soon I would as I say, start bringing yeah. things up like this, it's like, well, you're just judging them, and oh, that's your religion because you've got the you know you, this bias. No, no, this them. this is this is this is as simple as low IQ people nodding, wanting you to cock block their gene pool. Yeah, but it's right. not. That's, that's, I'm not dealing just you, with they just, they don't want IQ you to, people. I'm dealing with computer engineers. Okay, I'm in the computer, computer engineers who wait. Hang on a sec. Computer engineers who say that there's no possible way to judge the quality of a mate of your daughter. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. Um. At least not you know by appearance and behavior. Now, to be honest, I have pink hair. I dye my hair pink because I like it. <laughs> you why know. do you why do you like dyeing your hair pink? Because I like the color, and it it looks better in gray on me. So have you, know, you not and, heard of like and, pink uh, unlike shirts or you, something? I, I understand still can why grow hair. So I'm going to grow hair why, while uh, I can. Why? I just don't understand. Why would you dye your hair pink? You can't even see your hair. I love the color. It adds some color, and you know what? It catches people off guard, and it makes them think. Why do you want to catch people? Why do you want to catch people off guard? Uh, because. That makes them think I am makes them think certain things about me when they're completely dead wrong. And I love watching the expression on their face uh, when I my behavior and my my conversation contradicts what they believe in my my view or my my appearance. You know, to be, to be kind of frank with you, it, it sounds like a bit of a power trip, like, haha, fooled you, you know. Oh, sure. Why not? Oh, come on, Steph. Come on. You'd do it if you could. You just love to watch people. You're you're a people watcher, aren't you? 
I'm, I'm not sure why we're talking about me. We're talking about you. I'm trying to understand still why you want to have pink hair and, uh, and screw with people's heads. Um, well, because uh, that just shows people that, um, you know, you can't really judge a book by its cover. Um, I went to I went to SakuraCon as Princess Peach last year just for the fun of it. Um, but uh, that that's uh, another thing. But yes, just to throw people off from why their do you want to throw people off though? I don't understand. To th- throw them off from their stereotypes. But why? They're they're going to look at something. Uh, it, it's fun just to watch. Them. No, I get that it's fun. Why is it fun? Um, golly, to see people's stereotypes shattered, to see people, um, you know, not able to cope with a situation that they have prepped themselves for. Uh, but why don't you look normal and have really original and radical thoughts? Wouldn't that also equally blow people's like when people meet me? I mean, I'm a nice middle class, middle aged looking guy, no tattoos, no, I'm an anarchist. Now that blows people's minds, but I. Uh, uh, I don't know how uh, putting forward a very unusual appearance while having really unusual ideas, you know, I'm just, I'm suggesting you up your game, look completely normal and have radical thoughts. I think that would oh, blow people's stereotypes that, a though. lot more. Oh, I, lo- I hate that look. Oh, it's disgusting. It's terrible. Uh, My look is disgusting? No, no. I. <laughs> you said that look and I was just describing my look. I'm not offended. I'm just curious what you mean. No, no, it's it's not what I want to uh, to appear. You said it's as. horrible. It's, it's disgusting. Yes, it is. It's horrible and disgusting to look blah. It leads to okay. Me. So my my look is horrible and disgusting. Um, I'm not I, trying I, to be confrontational. I just I'm not no, no, sure if no, you no. know exactly how you would come across to people. I'm not offended either. I mean, I, I'm fine with. It. I don't really care about my <laughs> look. I don't think about it. Okay, but, I've, uh, I've I've been listening to like 50 hours of your your discussions for the past two weeks so um yeah you're you're fine with who you are you are who you are and i am who i am um but i look at a lot of just uh especially suits um but you don't wear a suit i get that you don't wear a suit you change your look up every now and then and you accept the fact that you can't grow hair so you uh you adapt to how you how you think you want to uh appear and you adapt to how you expect uh society is going to want you to appear and i'm not uh saying there's anything wrong with that as Wait, far hang as on. you i do want i i conform to how i think society wants me to appear is that i'm not sure i fully understand that sure do you think i i wake up and say well i'd really like to dye my beard pink but that's not what society expects me of me and therefore i won't is that what your no no is no process? you get you get up and you say oh how do how am I going to you know look today? Am I going to be scraggly today? Am I going to you know go through the the grooming standards that are expected of me? Um, you know, depending on your uh, 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 your situation, I do the same thing myself. You know, I get up in the shower when I have to go to work, um, even though I might not necessarily want to, but that's you know pretty much what's expected. When I have the opportunity to go outside what's normally expected, yeah, I'll go outside what's normally expected. You know, I'll add a little color, I'll add a little flair here, and I'll have people expect something out of me that's not going to come out of me. And that's the, the way I, I do that. All right. But I don't okay, get up well, every morning I guess, and say, uh, how am I going to mess with somebody today? Um, although some days I do. Some days I do. Okay. 
All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for your call. I think we've we've gone over the the yeah. UPB stuff, and uh, I appreciate your call. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. And thanks, everyone, of course, so much for listening on this fine evening of Wednesdayness, 19th of August, 2015. FreedomainRadio.com slash donate to help this show continue to grow and survive and thrive and live. So have yourself a wonderful, wonderful night, everyone. We will talk to you soon. Hold on, hold on, hold on, everyone. We're not done yet. Earlier this week, we did an update call with Peter, who was on the show about a month ago, talking about the violence in South Africa, where he currently lives, and I uh, want to play that for you here. So, hope you enjoy it. Here's the update from Peter, and have a great day. Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. So, we have Peter, a listener who uh, called in recently. You can check out the show number is 3034. Uh, Peter is uh, currently, though not for long, <laughs> residing in uh, in South Africa, and of course, Peter called in and was talking about some of the uh, not so great uh, aspects of living uh, in South Africa, and um, we we talked quite a bit about that. And of course, Peter said, "Be nice to get out," and uh, we're just going to sort of circle back and follow up. You know, we we have these great calls with people, and oftentimes people are saying, "And then what happened?" <laughs> and uh, so now in this situation, we can actually circle back and. Uh, and check it out. So, Peter, nice to chat with you again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me again. So, what's uh, what's the story? What's been going down since uh, our last conversation? Well, uh, I got into contact with uh, a couple of uh, callers who gave uh, Michael some information uh, that could potentially help me out. And, uh, yeah, one guy specifically, uh, Charles, yeah, he... Uh, is currently teaching in uh, China, and uh, he set me up with an interview with a company there. And uh, yeah, they contacted me and uh, uh, basically, uh, yeah, set up, set up an interview date, uh, which was this Monday that passed. Uh, yeah, after they uh, interviewed me, then I would <laughs> probably say all hell broke loose. Uh, yeah, uh, they said, okay, we want you to, want you to come over as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, between uh, work working 12-hour shifts this whole week, uh, yeah, <laughs> had very little sleep, uh, you know, trying to get everything organized. And uh, yeah, basically, yeah, I was just uh, going to the embassy, filling out forms after forms after forms and... Yeah, it's it's actually quite amazing how everything just uh, kept falling into place. Yeah, yeah, as if it's pre predestined to to be like that. Uh, yeah, so and it's uh, uh, very tired, had very little sleep, uh, about four hours a day, <laughs> trying to get everything done. But uh, it's uh, man, I feel amazing. It's very very exciting. Well, and just just for those who who haven't listened to that show, of course, uh, I mean, uh, you may notice that uh, I, who live in Canada, have a slightly better tan than Peter, who lives in the sun-drenched capital of the planet. And uh, I wonder if you could mention to those, of course, most people won't have heard the show where we had a conversation, uh, some of what is uh, giving you the impetus to to leave and perhaps uh, see a little bit of the outside world from where you are. (laughs) Uh, well, basically, 
the thing that uh, the reason why I want to get out of the country uh, is basically just a horrific risk of uh, well, pretty much be, uh, being killed. Uh, you know, it's uh, I mean, uh, on a previous show I mentioned uh, just uh, uh, how often I get uh, you know involved with. Uh, uh, scenarios where people get killed, and uh, you know, it just uh, after you know after a while, you know, you just uh, get pretty much fed up with having to look over your shoulder uh, uh, every two seconds. You know, it's it's literally like that. You know, and it's it's not something that I want for the re- to live like uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, I'm I'm single and. Uh, I, and I'm single for a specific reason, you know. I just cannot, um, uh, I cannot think of uh, having a family in South having children, and you know, and things are just carrying on the way they are. Uh, it's, it's I'm just not willing to do that, you know. It's uh, and we're not supposed to live that way. Uh, I feel like you know, and the thing is, I want to move to a place that's much more relatively safe. Yeah, we were just doing some research on South Africa and uh, certain places in Johannesburg have a murder rate of uh, 600 per 100,000 people. Uh, That's 12 times more than even some of the worst ghettos in the United States. Uh, And I think you were mentioning in the show that the people basically live in cages. You have bars on the window, you've got razor wire and broken glass in the fortifications around your home uh, that it, it, it is in many ways like living in a war zone. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and uh, uh, I remember many years ago as as a child, you know, when things were much safer. I mean, uh, you were able to go go and play in the streets, and you know, parents didn't really worry about you. I mean, as long as you came back, uh, you know, at just before dark, you know, and it was never a problem. And but you cannot do that today. Uh, and unless you fancy getting killed or kidnapped or whatever, you know, it's, uh, you know, so your children has to grow up, you know, behind bars, basically, you know, and I don't, that's, that's no way to live. Well, Peter, you mentioned something. No, it is a shame that, um, uh, you know, sorry, Mike? I was just going to say, Peter, you mentioned something uh, before everything came together with the referral in the China interview about driving on the road and almost hitting someone, some really scary situation. I was wondering if you could Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, that's happened more than once. Yeah, it happened many times to me, uh, where uh, you know you'd sp- you'd go, you know, travel about uh, 60, sixty kilometers an hour. That's the speed limit in the city. Yeah, I'm not quite sure uh, what the conversion ratio is uh, to miles, but uh, you know, and the thing is, uh, even at that speed, if you uh, come, ac- come across uh, an intersection and some drunk idiot just decides he's not stopping for the red light. I mean, that's... And uh, bear in mind that he's not obeying, obeying the speed limit either. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so the thing is uh, you will... Uh, you run a great risk of getting killed. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and it's not just cars. I mean, if you've got an 18-wheeler... Uh, Deciding, no, nah, it doesn't feel like stopping. Yeah, what chance do you have against uh, uh, that guy? 
And uh, that has happened many times to me, and it's just like I'm getting so fed up about it. Uh, you know, you start uh, developing, uh, uh, you know, anxiety issues. You know, uh, I hate uh, being on the road. You know, it's uh, it's just uh, it's not a fun experience. Uh, you know, even uh, people who live in different towns yet. Uh, uh, we have got a thing that we call uh, uh, into uh, um, uh, run, uh, uh, the into hell run. Sorry, yes. <laughs> so basically, uh, it just means that you know we've got a freeway, and uh, when you travel to work, it's you're doing a hell run. Because uh, basically, what will happen? You know, you get angry protesters. Uh, they would stand at, stand on top of a bridge. You'd be traveling, you know, at the speed that you would travel on a freeway. And uh, you can imagine what happens when they start throwing bricks. Uh, you know, they don't care if you've got a, a nine-month-old baby in the car, you know, because it's your fault, you know, because of their poverty and whatever else, you know. So, and uh, well, they just throw throw debris into the uh, into the freeway, and basically, uh, I mean, you don't see it, you hit it, you have to pull over because you've got a puncture. And you know you get robbed and killed. So uh, uh, one of the police officers uh, recently died. Uh, you know he pulled over and got stabbed to death. So I mean that's that's the type of uh, uh, living conditions that we live in. And uh, what are um, are your friends? Is it sort of slowly diminishing as people try their best to get out, or what is it? You, I think you mentioned the last show. It's pretty hard to get out at times. Yes, um, it's you know for some people it's uh, that are fin more financially well off it's uh, easier. Uh, obviously, there's I know there's a lot of uh, German people that live here as well. Uh, you know, so I mean, if they've got a German nationality, uh, it's much easier for them to get out of the country. Um, but for people uh, less fortunate like myself, you know that you don't have the finances to just say, hey, let's let's go. You know, it's 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 very very difficult. You know, and I feel uh, I feel for those people that are in similar situations that I'm in as well. Right. And how long till uh, till you leave? Um, I think it's about um, about fourteen fifteen days. Uh, just uh, wow. about two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and just for those uh, who don't know, um, listeners have uh, donated to, to help uh, get Peter airlifted out of the country uh, and get him to a more peaceful and secure location. So we certainly want to thank uh, everyone who's, uh, who's chipped into that. If you'd like to help out with that, you can go to freedomainradio.com slash donate. Uh, I don't know, you can put in uh, Save Peter in the, <laughs> in the donation line. But uh, I really, really appreciate, of course, everyone who's chipped in to help him because... Uh, that is a, it's a terrifying situation. Now, I visited um, Africa, South Africa, twice uh, in my life, uh, once when I was a little kid and then um, when I was 16, both times for uh, a couple of months uh, at a time. And uh, it is, uh, it, it's one of the great tragedies in the world that often the better the climate, the worse the politics, the more beautiful the scenery, the more hellish the, uh, <laughs> the political environment sometimes. Uh, and uh, uh, it is a shame. But uh, I'm incredibly happy that you're able to get out. There's uh, nothing like climbing over the mountain of, of paperwork it takes sometimes to get out of a country. And uh, is there anything else you want to add before we wish you your very best? 
Uh, well, basically, I just want to say, you know, thank you very much, you know, for everyone that uh, was involved in helping me. You know, it's uh, it, it was just uh, jaw-dropping, you know, the amount of support that I got from everyone. Uh, you know, so I just want to say thank you, thank you very much, you know, uh, for everybody, everybody's advice, you know, their financial contribution, uh, uh, they contributed to this whole thing. And... Uh, you know, I just want to say specifically thank you also to Charles that uh, set me up with the job. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, last not but least, uh, thank you to you, Stefan, and Michael. Uh, couldn't have done it without you guys. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, I know you guys are not pretty religious or anything, but I just want to say, you know, God bless you guys. Uh, um, I just want to say thank you to God for everything that he's done and... You know, well, we hugely appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. And and if uh, if you're if you're in China, I know it's a big place, but uh, if you're in China and uh, you want to help uh, Peter get acclimatized, uh, if you have expert expat opinions and perspectives to uh, to provide to him, please uh, email uh, Michael Operations at freedomainradio.com, and we'll forward contact information on to Peter so he's not a uh, big nose foreign person in a strange land. <laughs> because that's what I was referred to when I was in China. <laughs> but um, uh, we will do our best to, to get you um, some, some contacts and some people that you can hang out with, because uh, obviously it can be a bit of a challenge going to, to a new country, a new culture, and so on. But, uh, man, we are thrilled. Oh, I just, uh, and, I'm uh, blown away that uh, you called into the show on July 26th, and now the end of August. You're going to be moving out of South Africa. You called in like, how do I, how do I continue to exist living in South Africa? And, you know... <laughs> a pretty quick turnaround <laughs> for uh for getting out of there so thanks everyone who you know emailed in great suggestions and ideas for peter and uh yeah i'm just i'm absolutely thrilled i couldn't be more delighted that um something like this came out of the show so and wish you well in your new occupation peter and uh, i can't wait to hear how things go in china yeah keep us posted uh, peter and uh, you know very very happy journeys uh, just looking at your webcam here i can see obviously that the thing you're most going to miss about South Africa is those wonderful curtains. Uh, the, the beauty of those curtains that really look like they've been stripped off an abandoned 68 Volkswagen. Uh, but uh, maybe you can pack them and bring them with you uh, and uh, uh, see, see this, the glory of artisan culture from South Africa brought finally to China. But uh, we're completely thrilled. You know, this is what's great, too, is that when we get listeners calling in who are complaining about their lives and what can I do, we'll just point them to this and say, so this guy, you know, when he got an opportunity to get something positive going in his life, uh, he grabbed it and slept four hours a night just to get where he wanted to get to next in life. So you are a great example, I think, to listeners uh, about um, get up and go uh, and, and get things done with your life that make your life better. So yeah, we, we're thrilled. Keep in touch. Let us know how it's going. And we'll certainly forward everything to you that we can that will help you acclimatize to uh, hopefully what will be your know-how. Thanks very much. Take care. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.